Welcome friends and colleagues. Today we will continue our journey through the failings of creation and the repairs of creation. So we have suggested that from the very beginning there was certain duality in uh, creation and things kind of broke down one after another and there were solutions and ultimately we ended up with the solution of having a nation that would rectify and bring back the unity in creation to what it was. Uh, we've talked about the disunity and break in the big happy family of men and animals and we've begun to speak about the problem of men and women. As we have seen, man was initially created as a composite, men and women together, and then they were separate. And then there was another crush. So let's start with the naming of the animals. In 2.19, we learned that God brought the animals and the beasts of the field and every bird of heaven to men to see what he will call them. And whatever he called them, that was its name. The verb bringing is a very interesting verb, vayaveh. The root is beis aleph hey. It's the same word that is used later by bringing the woman to the man. It says, and God, Lord, uh, Lord God uh, put sleep on the man and he slept and he took one of his sides and closed the flesh after it and he built it into a woman. And he brought her to men. So from the beginning we're setting up a certain equivalence between bringing the animals for naming and bringing the woman to men. And what does man say? Man says, this time, this is verse 23 in chapter 2, this time it is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. This will be called woman, for from man was taken this. But it's not the only time when uh, man names the woman. He also ultimately calls us the mother of all life. So why is there two namings here? Uh, as we briefly discussed, and I hope to dedicate uh, additional podcasts to this, the um, process of naming is also a process of knowledge. And as once knowledge and relationship to an object changes, the object, whether it's a place or a person, can get different names. It's not like we name. That was a very unique and specific kind of process of naming uh, that we find in the Torah. Naming is an act of knowledge. <coughs> Perhaps we can, word, we can use the word intimacy. Naming someone is an act of intimacy. And we know that ultimately knowledge is an act of 
carnal knowledge or, or sexual relationship. And man knew Hava, Eve, his wife, and they had children. So there is this kind of a parallelism being set up between naming the animals, certain kind of intimacy, and then that was not satisfactory, uh, and men did not find a pair for himself in amongst them, and then God created for him a woman out of himself, out of man himself, and he brought her just like he brought the animals, and men now named her flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone. We'll come back to this in a minute, but I, I want to go through the story so we can see that there was in fact an evolution in Adam's understanding of this new creature, his wife. I want to tell you a, a little Jewish joke that teaches something. As most Jewish jokes are erudite and they have deep content. Look at the folk jokes. The joke goes that there was a certain king who wanted to bring up his son very pure and therefore not to know anything about women. So he went with his son and with all male servants to an isolated island and he brought the boy up to adolescence. And after that, he uh, thought that it would be safe to go back to shore. When they came back to shore, they were walking towards palace, and they met two women. And the boy turned to his father and said, What are this? And the father said, Oh, oh these are ducks, kachkas. The boy looked again and said, mm, Father, can you get me two of those? The point here being is that uh, man may not know where the woman is, but he knows he likes her. So Adam looked at this part of himself, which now became an independent being, and he called her on a fairly low level of relationship, the flesh of my flesh and the bone of my bones. He's seeing the outside appearance of a woman. He, see, he, he senses the kinship between himself and the woman. doesn't quite know what this thing is. If this kind of a relationship on the level of the body, might say the sexual relationship, is the first step in what a relationship can be between a man and a woman. We go on to learn that the woman gives the fruit of the tree of knowledge to men, and now we shift into plural. Now it's men and women together. Man blames the woman, 3.12. Now, this is a very interesting thing, because every husband knows that you never, never blame your wife. The husband's duty is to protect the wife, take blame for the wife, and uh, stand to defend her. 
as uh, the great comic poem Ogden Nash wrote, in a little poem called A Word to Husbands. Very short poem, it goes like this. To keep your marriage brimming with love in the loving cup, whenever you're wrong, admit it. Whenever you're right, shut up. Now, Adam doesn't do this basic thing. He blames the woman. What should he have done? He should have defended her. He should have taken the blame. He should have said, my Lord, I am the one who is guilty. Punish me. But he didn't do that. So his, his understanding of the woman as, as a part of himself did not really go to the level of the relationship in which he would protect, defend, and be her shield. Nevertheless, and perhaps because of that, they shared mutual fate. Man was cursed and so was his wife. Man knows the woman and he comes to another level of understanding. Now he calls her again. Not Isha, woman, because she's taken from me. That is the kind of love we call a selfish life, love, self-centered love. Sometimes it can turn abusive. We have spo spoken about, when we spoke about the Aristophanes perception of how a man and woman became separate and became separate beings with the biblical concept. But at this point, he knows her, and with this newfound knowledge, now he calls it Chava, mother of all life. And whereas until now they, they are talking about together, they are now finally reunited as a single being. Uh, so you find in 3.23, for example, prior to that, let's say if you look at uh, 3.7, they recognize the eyes of both of them opened up. And they knew that they are naked. And they stitched the leaves of, of a day tree and they made for themselves... Uh, clothing, and they heard the voice of God, and man and his wife hid, and so forth and so forth. This shared experience, this new perception of a woman as being not just a part of him, but as an independent being which is still connected uh, with him through destiny, the covenant of destiny covenant of uh, purpose. Now they are together, and he calls it the mother of a life, because together they create the family. This is the solution of the family. And after that, they go back to being, again, uh, talked about as a single being. Three, twenty-four. And he, meaning God, exiled the man. And he lived before in, uh, east of the Garden of Eden, etc. All now in sim single, because now they were again one being. This crucible of 
faith uh, brought them together, and now they were as one thing. Now, let's go back to Rashi and the verse and, and second chapter 23. This is a very interesting Rashi. Uh, the verse says that Um, actually, I'm sorry, it's uh, and 20, uh, 220. And men called names to every animal and bird of heaven and uh, all beast of the field. And to men, there was not found a helper connect, connect against them. We'll speak about that at another time. But Rashi here makes a comment that was recently discussed by Eric L-A-W-E-E, who has written a very interesting book on the reception of Russia's commentary in the Jewish world. And this article focuses specifically on Russia's comments here. Uh, The name of the article is A Case Study in Russia's Super Commentary Tradition, AGS Review, 30, column 2, 2006, pages 393 to 425. What he focuses on is literal versus non-literal explanations of the super commentators. What I hope to show is that very often the literal is wiser and deeper than the non-literal. What's the problem with this Rashi? Rashi says that He brought all the animals to men. That means that men had sexual relationships with with all of them. And his mind was not cooled until he brought him Chava, Eve. So uh, this idea that the first man uh, had relationship with animals and birds and the beasts of the field did not go over easily. If you read the article, you will find the great disagreements of whether to interpret Rashi as non-literally or whether perhaps literal explanation is also okay. So this uh, this Rashi's comment comes from Talmud, Ivamus 63. The issue came up many times, including in a debate between Rabbi Hilmi Paris and Nicholas Donin, who was a uh, learned convert to Christianity and uh, held a debate on the sponsorship of the church and the pressure of the church and the secular government. Uh, And um, the defense of this Rashi was that prior to a commandment Against bestiality, there was really nothing wrong with having relations with animals. Many others, however, claimed that um, what it meant is that uh, he, he saw the mating and it did not appear to him like that would be for him. Or that he understood um, the, the nature 
uh, of every species. I'm quoting from Itzhak ben Moshe Halevi, Prophet Duran, a fascinating person in his own right, in the 15th century, said that Adam engaged in intense and ongoing investigation and careful study into each and every species and discerned its nature and temperament and the nature of all species, but failed to find a nature fitting and disposed to his nature. And there is a, a lot of discussion of various super commentators uh, who, who understood it non-literally. However, I think that we can now step back and um, place this Rashi within the framework that we have developed. If, in fact, the Torah tells us a story of a growth and evolution of man's understanding of a woman and their relationship within a family, culminating in a family, what we have here is the first stage. The first stage is sexual, body. I like how it looks. A bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, purely physical. That, of course, doesn't equip men when the, the woman gives them the fruit of the tree of knowledge and he does not see any other obligation. I mean, she exists for his benefit, for his pleasure, and he does not owe anything to her. As they together deal with the ramifications and, and with the uh, consequences of the eating of the tree of knowledge, a relationship develops, and the verses talk about them together. After they go through this, there is a um, further uh, achievement, understanding that a woman is a source of life. A woman now becomes uh, a pinnacle of femininity, life-giving force, and with this the relationship of man and woman and the family rises once more to the highest pinnacle. I would recommend uh, reading a discussion uh, of this from a somewhat different angle, but um, in, in generally very, very sophisticated uh, and interesting discussion by Leon Cass in his book, The Beginning of Wisdom, Reading Genesis, pages starting uh, 102 and going forward for a few pages. Well, we come to the end of our topic. We'll continue again next week. Thank you for listening, and may you have only blessings.